This podcast is of licensed mental health professionals linking pop culture to psychology. The information presented in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and should not be used in place of mental health treatment or other services. All our opinions are our own. Hello, welcome to Therapy for Nerds. I'm one of your hosts, Cassidy Russell, and on to... <laughs> and Abby Ronquillo and... Katie Buffy. And today, I thought we could talk about fandoms, because I think fandoms can be a great source of community and can really help people feel really connected to other people, especially if you have, because you already have this interest, right? Like friendships are built off of similar interests. And so being a part of a fandom tends to be a fairly easy way to make other friends, especially online or even in person. If you're like, I've encouraged clients before to have like a adventure time. I'm looking at my adventure time poster, an adventure time pin or a Legend of Zelda pin or something on their backpack to invite other people to talk to them about what they enjoy. I, I think it's a very interesting topic because it it does relate so much to like a way of connecting with people, right? Because we always say like, oh, you want to have common interests with your friends or other people in your life. And I think that's actually like a really great way of like bridging that and being like, just put like a little pin on your bag or something that like invites that conversation. Because, you know, I mean, how many times have you either done this yourself or noticed someone else who's like, oh, I like your t-shirt. Like I, I listen to that band or whatever it may be. And it, I think that's a really good way of connecting with people. And I think, you know, it's, it's even sometimes very subtle for those who maybe don't feel comfortable, particularly verbalizing or socializing. Um, it's also a, a validation that, you know, maybe you're not the only person out there that likes a certain thing. Cause sometimes it can feel very isolating when the thing that you like, you, you don't particularly feel like maybe somebody likes that, or it's very nuanced, the thing that you're interested in. And when you see that out in the wild or you spot something that at the store even like oh they have merchandise for this or they they have something that i like you know that's that's something that's very validating in the world to see like it's it's there <laughs> yeah because it, it not only creates like the connection of like talking to other people that have that interest but it also is like oh a lot of people must like this if they're like creating products for people who enjoy this as well and then I don't know. I think it could also like open up the doors of like, oh, this is like something that other people enjoy. I'm not like the only person who watches this or, or likes this. Yeah. And then I also like, have you guys, do you guys know a lot about the Supernatural fandom? Mm -hmm. So it's a very interesting fandom because of how, how much like, like community service they've provided. And like, they've, they've been a very vocal fandom about talk destigmatizing mental health and they've done a lot of charity work which is like really interesting to think of because i i don't know when you first when fandoms first became like a real thing it's not something that i think most people would have thought of at the time but it's very interesting that that's part of what they've morphed into so there was like almost like an altruistic piece that came through with it yeah. like this sense of community led to volunteering and even bettering other communities that may not even be part of their own yeah well there's like a lot of fundraising especially surrounding like mental health i know the actors have been very vocal about like their own mental health struggles and have brought on people like uh, dr janina scarlett to talk about mental health and 
I know you guys have heard that name before because I've definitely mentioned her before because I think she's awesome. So I think I think that's really important too is kind of identifying what how strong a fandom can be and mm-hmm. how you utilize that platform. So in the supernatural or um, in the case of supernatural, I think the characters or the actors that are portrayed in that show were very much in tune with their fans and um, they engaged a lot with them. So that was really nice. And I think that's really nice for the fans. But I also have seen a lot in other types of fandoms where the fans themselves self-produce a lot of um, these very elaborate, um, it could be charity or other types of organizations like where they do some type of, they get together for some type of common commonality, whether that is helping out or charity or organizing some type of event i'm thinking like really way way back <laughs> like when they still had like equestria la so like mm-hmm. and BronyCon, like when um my little pony was still very very big um that was all self-produced by fans that wasn't something official by hasbro or or my little pony or hulu um that was something that they did on their own so very much a strong sense of power in regards to i guess numbers or what you can do with just getting together with people I never went to one of those conventions, but I heard, like, the energy was so intense. Like, people would just get so pumped for the show. It's fun to hear stories like that. But while you were talking, Abby, that actually reminded me, have you guys heard of the, I believe it's called the 501st, or Legion? So it's a cosplaying community of Star Wars people who do, like, go to children's hospitals and go to events and they they're cosplayers but they're they cosplay for like things other than just conventions they cosplay for like children's hospitals that's so cool and it's interesting how things like the mandalorian wouldn't have been created if it hadn't been for cosplayers specifically boba fett cosplayers and like how much the cosplay community added to the lore of Star Wars. Well, I, I also think it's interesting how, you know, because obviously these different um, like shows or other things, they exist, they're created, but I think the fan base is what drives so much of it and, and they make meaning out of it. They take it and they do things. And like you said, like they even allow more things to be created. And I, I, I hear that's like, you know, like the cosplaying, it's almost like they're, they have this different purpose with it that's not just like cosplaying for the the art of cosplaying it's like doing that to go and see children in hospitals and I you know one thing that stands out to me in all these examples is there's such like an altruistic theme with these these different groups and and what they choose to do with this community they developed I think like this the thing about it too is like you never really know where or how it's going to shape it's not something that a for example, a movie company or a show or a comic or whatever can really produce or say where it's going to happen. It has to happen organically through mm-hmm. the people who identify with the product. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's what's so nice about it. And it, and in turn, like, you know, I know a lot of these things are made for entertainment, the, the media um, that comes out of this, but then it comes out that there's fans that like the show and then it flips back where there's a lot of things that like fan service or things that they do for the fans, the things that they do um, intentionally to keep fans happy. 
like you said, or things that come out of it for fans like The Mandalorian or other shows. Um, so it's this kind of like continuous loop of giving and receiving, giving and receiving, which is really nice. Yeah, I always liked when shows like have that good relationship with their fans of like listening to their fans and then like having a good balance between kind of doing a little bit of fan service, but also doing what the show should be and should progress. One of the reasons why I didn't, I stopped watching Doctor Who was because I didn't like what they did with um, the regeneration process into the 12th Doctor, I believe it was. Yeah, because it, it, it felt, because the doctor's whole speech during that time was like, I can do whatever I want. I'm the doctor. And it was like, eh, yeah, but there's also like established laws that you were supposed to follow. And there's all these fan theories about how you could get around those laws or how those laws might not actually apply. And you did none of that, which I, I understand now more I've learned a little bit more about what goes into it and I've learned that they can't take fan suggestions for a lot of this because then there's like a lot of legal issues so they try to stay out of that kind of stuff but it just it didn't rub me the right way so I just kind of stopped. I've watched a couple episodes here and there but meh. Yeah, yeah but I think that's another good point is it can be very polarizing at times too. Like if they, you know, the creators don't follow exactly what fans were expecting, that could also really negatively impact people in that community too. Yeah, if the certain ships don't sail, mm -hmm. there's gonna mm -hmm. be help to pay from the fandom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think sometimes there's a lot, of, there can be a lot of negativity to it too. Like there are some, I mean, with anything, right? There's pros and cons. Some fandoms can be too, um, I don't know if aggressive is the right word, um, but so very much enthralled with the product or very much involved with it that they might isolate other fans or other subgroups of the fandom. Um, there might be some bullying involved or even like, hey, mm -hmm. like, no, this, this person in this um, universe is a lot better than this one and don't say otherwise and, you know, mm -hmm. what do they call it? gatekeeping and, and whatnot. So. There's a lot of negativity to it too. Yeah, and it's, it's true because I think, you know, one thing that kind of came to mind for me is that not only can there be like almost sometimes bullying within these fandoms, within these communities, but people outside of them who don't understand as well. And, and they may just be like, why are you really into that? And there can almost be like sometimes a stigma because people don't simply understand like what it is and what it means to people. I know it can mean a lot to people like different fandoms and different things. Like I remember in my um, desktop screen is still a quote from Undertale because I played it during my last semester of grad school and the whole, the, the, the sign you are filled with determination really hit home for me at that moment. And it does make me sad to know what the Undertale fandom has kind of now been associated with because like it was something that gave me so much comfort during that time period. Yeah, and I, I can I can relate to that a lot because I think sometimes the the fandom can kind of ruin. Um, I don't want to say ruin, but can can taint a lot of whatever the product is. And I think that happens a lot sometimes. Um, 
I can think of one uh, off the top of my head, but I won't say it because I'm I'm even fearful to say it on this podcast because I know that like if I do, we're gonna we're all gonna be <laughs> in trouble for it. Like I know that that the fandom is so strong that this podcast that has nothing to do with that particular fandom, they would come for us for even saying something negative about it. Um, mm-hmm. And I I can I can appreciate the passion. I can appreciate how much you care about something, but when is it? start to be not even about the fan like caring about the actual thing that you like and mm-hmm. it be psychologically about something else yeah yeah i think that's a, that's a really great point because you know the fact that and i think that can also play into why maybe people may have a hard time understanding fandoms because like the you know whatever the fandom is you're referring to the fact that even mentioning it could turn into like a bigger issue says that there's probably a lot of protectiveness around it and that the people who are within it really want to keep it safe. They want to keep it um, maybe like untouched or, you know, un, I don't know, unscathed, I guess would be a word for it. Mm-hmm. And I hear that there's a sense of, of um, like call to action. Like they really feel like any, like if anything happens, it needs to be taken care of. And that tells me that there's also a piece of like maybe people who could be part of different fandoms, sometimes they may feel lacking in other communities in their life. And this is where they're able to really find like a sense of purpose, a, a, you know, a group of people who are like-minded. And I can hear why they would be drawn so strongly to that too. Yeah, and obviously that's not to say that's always the case for everyone, but in some cases that may be, maybe not, you know, maybe some people just really enjoy that fandom and they are they're, that is the hill they're on right now and they love it and you know it's such a positive force in their life so obviously and you know I know this goes without saying but these aren't necessarily how people are everyone has different reasons um, and you know I'd actually love to explore that like what we see is some of those reasons that people really get into fandoms I think a lot like I don't know if this is current but I feel like maybe back maybe a couple of decades ago maybe a decade ago speaking specifically about nerd culture and things that were maybe not as um, well accepted as pop culture, it made a lot more sense because you you might have been the only kid at your school that was interested in Pokemon or some of these more, like I said, nuanced interests. And when you would find someone on the internet or someone at a different school or somewhere else that liked the same thing that you liked, you, you clung on to that for dear mm-hmm. life. And if if someone said anything about that person or about the, when you knew that there was somebody out there that was like you, you felt a lot more powerful, you know, I think. And that probably is where that sense of like courage came from or where that sense of like, I'm going, like you said, that the hill that they were willing to be on kind of came from. Um, Now I, I don't know, like the internet's so funny in regards to like cyberbullying or like, people feeling the freedom of speech aspect it i don't know it's it's a lot different now versus like when we were physically in school and like talking to other kids <laughs> well there's still a lot of that because I, I have a lot of clients that have a, a more online friends than they do in-person friends like even when they were going like physically to school that was still the case and finding other people that had very similar interests and liked similar things was always something that they got a lot of comfort from and something that they just were really looking forward to talking to that other person and really sharing what they love and how they loved it. Um, 
and it, it's definitely interesting how certain things for fandoms can grow and evolve into other things like uh, fan fictions that turn into books. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's the one that I know comes to most people's minds, but I, let's not talk about that one. Um, are you thinking of the longest fan fiction ever? Well, maybe, maybe not. Is it considerable? I, I doubt it's the longest. So there's the longest running fan fiction ever, and it's about Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> no, I wasn't oh, thinking okay. about that. But okay. That's hilarious. I love that. Uh, no, I was thinking of like Fifty Shades that started as oh. a fan fiction. Um, there's also Cassandra Clare started her writing career writing Harry Potter fan fiction. And then moved on to have her own best-selling book series, uh, Shadowhunters, I think it is. Yeah. I don't know, my sister has read it all and I haven't. I have them, I just haven't read them yet. Yeah. Yeah, so there's there's really a lot of expansion that can come from it too with these. Because I know we were talking about maybe in some of the earlier, maybe like the earlier ways that fandom showed up, it was really a way of developing, like we said, community, but also kind of acceptance and maybe validation for people. And then with the, the movement of it onto the internet, it kind of shifted and there was maybe some of the gatekeeping we could be seeing, there could be cyberbullying, things of that. So it's, it's really been kind of evolving over time and shifting and adapting to technology and, and the acceptance of different things. Because I think there's also the piece of like a lot of the topics that maybe were contained to like um, more private fandoms have become much more popular and much more mainstream too. So I think there's also been the shift in um, more widespread knowledge about these different these different fandoms too. Mm -hmm. That's true because I think when most like the earliest fandom is probably the Star Trek fandom. Yeah, probably. probably. Mm -hmm. it, at least at least it's one of the earliest fandoms, and there wasn't internet discourse about mm -hmm. Star Trek, you had to go to like the conventions. Mm -hmm. That's where the discourse would happen. So it is interesting to see how fandoms have really evolved. Like I know most people of my generation, the first fandom that they were in would be the Harry Potter fandom. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting how expansive that Harry Potter fandom has become and how it's engulfed everything. And if you wanted to look at any, any, any fandom that you're a part of, I can guarantee you there's a Hogwarts AU. I think that's pretty accurate. And I think like, you know, these media companies are so smart to, to cater to that because they realize how powerful it is. Mm -hmm. and, and each individual is powerful because at the end of the day, like when you explore these, these fandoms or the things that you're interested in, what you're really exploring is your passion. And like, maybe you will through exploring your fan fiction writing that you are going to be a writer, right? Or that you explore the, the talents that you're good at, or, you know, maybe you're good at organizing whatever it might be. So the, the medium might be, I'm doing this through the lens of, uh, I'm really into this certain type of, I don't know, whatever show at this moment at 12 years old, 15 years old but then it turns into something else. That's mm -hmm. how you learn who you are as a person. So I think it's super important that we do that. <laughs> I don't know. 
Well, that we allow ourselves to really like things and really be engaged in what it is that we enjoy and be open to doing things like making fan art for it or writing fanfics or doing cosplay. Like it, those are all skills that I think a lot of people kind of have viewed as lesser for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And like fan fiction writers have always been looked down on because it's like, oh, anyone can write fan fiction. No, no, that's not true. <laughs> there's some pretty bad fan fiction out there. And then there's some pretty good fan fiction out there. And it, it is a skill that people can get good at and people can use to get better at actually writing. Yeah, and I, I think that's, it's such a launching point for people. And I, I think that is a good point, like whether it be creating art or writing or, you know, some other medium through which people are finding inspiration. I think that's a big part of it because, you know, maybe people may not see the value in like say creating fan art, but I hear people who are doing what they enjoy. They're, they're refining skills. They're sharing with other people. I, I hear how there's so many, positive things being fostered through something as simple as creating fan art. Mm-hmm. It can definitely be a huge positive. And, you know, I, I think it's interesting because we we opened up this topic just kind of talking about some of the fandoms that there are and, and the ways they've shown up within like kind of greater communities. But I, I, I think there's a lot of importance that can be said about looking at it on a micro level and the impact on the individual people who are part of that fandom, who are part of those communities and how it it can support them, how it can be a really good thing for them. And, you know, the idea of like identity development was even coming up. I I was kind of thinking about that with some of the ages that may be getting into this and how this is an opportunity to explore interests, to explore themselves, to explore the kind of people they want in their lives. And I I can see how that could really foster growth throughout life as well. A hundred ways. And, And I don't think, you know, I think for a lot of times, you know, through adolescence, parents might be looking at fandoms as like an obsession or something that you're wasting your time doing and like this you're not you're not going to to further yourself in your career or your life by by taking all your time doing this or whatever Mm -hmm. but actually there's a lot in there social skills social emotional skills um entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. artistic skills creative skills there's so the, the the limits there are no limits in regards to how this can build and develop a person as an individual so I definitely agree that on a microscopic level, as an individual level, these are important skills that we need to foster in our youth and, and, and adults too. You know, I don't want to leave them out of this. It's important for us to value the things that we value as individuals. Yeah, and it's obviously, as with every topic, within moderation. That's always our goal when we're talking about this, everything in moderation. But if there is that moderation, it can be such a, a powerful piece of someone's life there. They can have so much growth and opportunities through it as well. Thank you for listening to Therapy for Nerds. If you liked this episode, hit that like button, subscribe, comment, and check out the links to our social medias where you'll be sure to get all of the latest Therapy for Nerds information. And be kind to yourselves this week.